0: Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia f one pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramee.
1: Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One Racing here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly coming to you once again from the Vivid Seat Studio again this week. And well, guys, I, I'm trying to get the, the the timing for FP2 here at uh, at the Japanese Grand Prix. And it says there's like a couple of minutes left. I thought, hey, this is going to be kind of cool. I can actually do a show while something's happening, but it's kind of glitching. <laughs> it's going all over the place, no times, no anything. So, so much for my brilliant idea. But hey, back to Formula One racing this week. and I have to admit, I'm a little bit shocked that, uh, we only have four races left after this, uh, weekend. We have Brazil, Mexico, the USA, we have, uh, Abu Dhabi coming up at, uh, at the end of the season in, uh, at about six weeks time. And I don't know what it is. Uh, perhaps, uh, I'm sort of stuck in that sort of third of the way of the, through of the season, that sort of Monaco Canadian Grand Prix time of the year. For some reason I have this mental block. I think that there, there's still like about a dozen races to go. And, uh, well, that's clearly not the case, but well, let's let's just get right into uh, the the show this week. Uh, there's uh, obviously a lot to talk about. I mean, uh, n- not only um, is is there a lot going on on the track, obviously, but off of the track, there's a possible typhoon to deal with. It's uh, it looks like it uh, might hit uh, Japan in the next couple of days, oh, and we we'll only know how that will impact uh, the, the the Grand Prix, plus the uh, Rugby World Cup, and of course, well, life in general. I mean, sounds like it's a uh, pretty. natural. Nasty piece of business. So, I mean, at least uh, hopefully the race can get off, but uh, we will just have to, to to wait and see. So, as we do always around here, why don't we just um, get into the uh, or, or just refresh our memories uh, as to uh, where we sit with the, the the standings? And I thought it was a little bit uh, kind of funny today. I didn't actually see it, but I think it was uh, an article on Sky Sports. I saw the, the the tweet or a Facebook post or something said. I think it was something to the effect of the different combinations that uh, Hamilton needs to win out or win the World Championship. I mean, obviously, it's just a foregone conclusion, and it has been for, for a very long time. I mean, Lewis way out in front, 322 points. Uh, Lu- um, sorry, he's not ahead of himself in the World Championship, although he might as well be. Valtteri Bottas, as his teammate, second with 249. Charles Leclerc, third, 215 points. Three points ahead of Max Verstappen in the Red Bull. Sebastian Vettel rounding out the top five with 194 points. And on the constructor side, again, there is a little doubt who's going to win the constructors again this year. Mercedes, 571 points. Ferrari, 409. Red Bull Racing, 311. McLaren, 101. And they're looking good uh, to hang on to that fourth spot in the constructors, uh, even though there's uh, still several races to go. And then uh, Renault rounding out the top five with uh, 68 uh, points. But hey, here we go. Uh, We do have some timing coming up. And uh, Sebastian Vettel has uh, gone purple in sectors one and two at uh, FP3. Actually, he's just uh, set a a fastest lap of 130.386. So there you go. Uh, Maybe I'll check in a little bit uh, as as time goes on. Apparently, it's uh, 27 uh, degrees Celsius at uh, Suzuka and uh, with a track temperature of uh, 32 degrees you know i went to japan about uh, 10 years ago we went there for for a holiday and where i come from on the west coast of canada vancouver rain city raincouver the wet coast you get the idea it rains a lot where i come from and you know what We just, we we embrace it. We're used to it. You know, it it just, it it is what it is. I mean, it's a beautiful place to live. I mean, there's so many things uh, going on here. I mean, uh, it it is a wonderful place to live. It just rains a hell of a lot. But uh, I remember when we went to Japan, it was in in July, about uh, 10 years ago. And I remember, you know, as you do when you're flying somewhere, as you get close to the destination or as you're taxiing to the airport or up to the airport, up to the gate there, usually the captain will come on and just uh, they'll, they'll give you a, a brief uh, synopsis uh, of what the, the local weather is like. And I remember looking outside I'm like, oh, it's dark and it's gloomy and it's rainy and it's windy. I'm like, hey, this is going to be just like home. It looks like a typical cool, damp and wet Vancouver day. And I thought this this will be great. I mean, we'll get used to this. It'll be just like home. It's going to be a lot of fun. Anyways, you know, you go through the airport. Everything's all nice and climate controlled and everything like that. And uh, I, I just remember we uh, we, we had uh, booked a shuttle to take us from uh, from the uh, the airport into uh, into Tokyo to our hotel. And I just remember walking out the front door at uh, at the airport, uh, and it was like walking into a sauna. <laughs> it was sort of high twenties in, in in Celsius. Uh, I'm not sure of the top. My head, what that is in Fahrenheit, but it was hot, it was humid, it was muggy. I'm like, this is not what <laughs> the weather is like where I come from, and you know, within about thirty seconds, uh, you know, it's all sweaty and and does really sticky and gross. I mean, it's a wonderful time. I mean, Japan is a really really cool country, uh, rich in history and a, a lot of really cool uh, things on uh, on the, on the modern side. It's, it's it's a great place to go. I can't wait to go back. And of course, the one thing about uh, the, the Japan that uh, that I found uh, was. Uh, Really, quite interesting and maybe kind of oddly or uniquely Japanese, is it didn't matter where you looked, there was always a vending machine somewhere. You know, they're round in alleys, on street corners, in hotels, and in bars, and in restaurants. I remember we took a, a trip and we went up to Mount Fuji. There's like even driving through some of the countryside, you just drive by, and there's like a, a you know, a vending machine just on the side of the road because I guess you never know when you need to. Get something. <laughs> but, anyways, that's uh, something uh, completely different. So, I guess, uh, obviously, I think the, the, the timing's going up. So, uh, yeah, Vettel's still on top with a, a 130.386. Rogro, Roman Grosjean, second uh, fastest in FP2 right now, a 130.569. Obviously, that is going to change. I mean, uh, look who's still in the pits. Max Verstappen is still in the pits. Charles Leclerc is still in the pits. Uh, Lewis Hamilton has only made. Uh, he's just on an out lap. Valtteri Bottas is also on an out lap, so uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. But, anyways just uh, just practice always interesting to see how um, what what sort of indication or not that uh, that the the practice sessions uh, tend to be when it comes to. Uh, uh, indicate what uh, what things might uh, happen in uh, the race ahead, anyways. Let's talk about uh, Mercedes uh, as uh, they go out onto the track there at Suzuka right now. Valtteri Bottas uh, expects a decent step from the Mercedes upgrades that they're bringing to the, the Japanese uh, Grand Prix because they really have uh, sort of switched around. I think that, uh, in, in at least in performance wise, uh, since the summer break, it really has been Ferrari. And, uh, well, I know that uh, they had a one two finish at, uh, at Russia the other week. Uh, Uh, Lewis Hamilton winning and Valtteri Bottas uh, coming second Uh, but you know it was that a bit of a false positive was that uh, Ferrari shooting themselves in the foot Uh, of course that was uh, not uh, intended but it was ironic that the uh, the the safety car period that uh, that that came about was due uh, to the the mechanical failure of uh, Sebastian Vettel and uh, that that really worked out to to Mercedes uh, advantage but uh, you look at uh, all, all the races basically since uh, the, the summer break and um, uh, Ferrari... Really have managed to, to turn it around and for uh, fine performance and uh, do a lot better than uh, than they did in the 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 opening half. Well, I guess up to the summer break is more than half a season, but it uh, it, it really was dire there for them. I mean, it just everything seemed to be going wrong in the uh, the, the the opening months in the first two thirds of the season, at any rate. And it, it's been a pleasant uh, surprise to see them come back and uh, and give Mercedes a, a bit of their their the run for their money but uh it uh it, it will be interesting to see now what uh what tweaks that uh, mercedes is introducing and do they really need to at this point i guess you always have to develop the car i mean it's not like the world championship is in doubt in uh, the the drivers or the constructors uh, championships and and that's why i was uh, just talking a little bit earlier about that uh, that article i saw there on uh, on sky sports just the combinations that lewis needs to uh and, and points and everything and How the uh, the other drivers in the championship need to finish uh, so he can win the world championship. I mean, it's when it comes to thing that okay, well you know, some Valtteri Bottas could still win, but all these bizarre combinations, I, I mean, I'm more likely to go out and buy a lottery ticket and uh, become a multimillionaire tomorrow. I mean, it's a, I mean, it could happen, but it's, it, it's not very likely. And I mean, the likelihood of uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, not finishing the next five races and Valtteri Bottas winning all of them or whatever the combination needs to be just isn't going to happen just like i've been saying for months now that uh, as lewis's uh, lead at the top of the championship has uh slowly and steadily increased uh week in week out and uh, as the month have passed by yeah i mean he could lose the world championship but it, it's not likely i mean the the incident that he had on a very slippery track at hockenheim back in the middle of the summer in that wonderful crazy race that uh just threw everything out the window literally uh was uh, was was so enjoyable to watch because you don't see Lewis Hamilton ever make a mistake and uh, not that I want to see him crash out of the race or anything like that but I mean that was about the only time the only circumstance that uh, that you might expect to see Lewis Hamilton uh, have uh, have a uh, an incident like he did and even then that wasn't really expected but I mean it did catch out the best of them that afternoon but that aside I mean it is not likely that uh, he's going to I mean there is a possibility he could suffer a, a mechanical Mechanical breakdown. I mean, that's what happened way back in 2016 at the Malaysian Grand Prix when his engine let go. And uh, that really, I, I think, was the the, the, the moment that really, um, I wouldn't say it ended his championship uh, challenge back in 2016, but it certainly put him behind the eight ball. And uh, at, at that point, he really had to do everything he needed to do well Nico Rosberg literally just had to cruise around and and just uh, be very conservative and safe and just make sure he got the points that he needed even though it came down to a, a somewhat exciting finale at Abu Dhabi and the the whole uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, slowing the 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 uh, you know the, the pack down and backing uh, Nico Rosberg into Max Verstappen and Sebastian Vettel that uh, we're quite a distance uh, behind but I mean we're, we're not going to see a situation where Lewis uh, is going to get into a, an Accidents, or uh, his car is going to fail repeatedly. I mean, it's 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 all but a done deal. But anyway, so just getting back to the matter at hand, I I do find it interesting uh, with only five races left that uh, that Mercedes are still bringing uh, technical upgrades uh, to the car. But then again, I mean, there's a reason why these guys have been so good over the the years especially since uh, 2014 in in the turbo hybrid v6 era and that just is that uh, they're basically perfectionists and you you can tell that uh, they love to go racing and uh, each race uh, victory in each championship uh, still means as much to them now in each and every year as it uh, did uh, way ba- back when, and I mean, they really have been the gold standard over the past uh, four or five years, and it really is uh, amazing. But I, I did think it was a, an interesting um, uh, revelation. I mean, uh, also, you know, on the one hand, uh, Bottas pleased with the, uh, the, the upgrades that they're introducing to the car, but also I, I found it uh, an, an interesting admission from uh, team principal over at Mercedes Toto Wolf, and uh, he admits, and I, I think this is quite frank and forthright from Toto, that that, uh, that that he really believes that the, tor- the team's form uh, to Ferrari over the the past several races has uh, suffered because of well a the lack of uh, upgrades in uh, recent uh, races and then also the the switch uh, to to focus um, to the 2020 car that led to uh, a slowdown in the development of the current car and uh, and well even though that they they do have some parts coming but I really find that uh, that that kind of uh, interesting you know just uh, sort of building on what I was saying about uh, Valtteri Bottas and the the, the whole uh, development and the upgrades of the car and uh, it uh, it is interesting that even though the the uh, that the championship is or both championships are basically wrapped up for them that uh, that they're still you know they still feel that there they, there's. I guess you could say performance lost, or things uh, that they haven't achieved what they thought they could achieved, uh, just because uh, they uh, they have uh, taken their eyes off the prize, if you want to call it that, and focused more on the car for 2020. And uh, and and because of that, they feel that they've uh, obviously lost a bit of that advantage uh, to Ferrari. And I mean, you got to give Ferrari credit. I mean, they look like they were going to be the odds-on favorite uh, this year. I mean, going back to uh, winter testing all the way back in February at uh, Barcelona. And- and, uh, you know, the car was uh, supposedly one and a half seconds a lap quicker than the Mercedes and everybody else uh, out there is like, oh, this is finally Ferrari's year. They, you know, they, uh, they've, they've moved past that uh, difficult end to, to 2018 that they had. And, and uh, this is going to be a, a new era with the new uh, team principal and Mattia uh, Bonato and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All these different uh, uh, storylines. Um, but uh, obviously it just didn't uh, turn out that way. But, you know, it's, uh, you got to give them credit. I mean, they, they took a very different, Difficult first half of the season, and uh, they've been able to turn it around. Wh- whether that's more due to the fact that they were finally able to understand how the uh, the SF ninety is working compared to the uh, to the Mercedes, or if it is uh, as Total Wolf uh, suggests that uh, that that he believes it's just uh, that they they've focused more on uh, putting their efforts into designing the car for next year rather than uh, maybe uh, committing as as much effort and uh, manpower to developing the car that uh, that they have. Uh, Right now, and uh, and and just bringing the upgrades, and I, like I say, I, I think it's uh, fascinating to see the teams uh, still rolling out. The, uh, the, the upgrades uh, this late uh, in the season but uh, and Toto and um, and I quote here he says I think the truth will be somewhere in the middle I think they Ferrari have and continue to make big steps in straight line performance and they have had a good car in Singapore a very good car in Sochi and if you put the dots together you are sitting uh, setting the benchmark and this is why they did this the last two weekends in the same time we haven't brought upgrades since a long time onto the car and we probably haven't managed things as often optimum as you can manage. But we've also been a bit unlucky with our own calls. And in the uh, last few races, we could have won some of these races and we didn't. And that bad luck turned to good luck in Sochi. Anyways, that's a total wolf uh, Wayne and Anyways, time for the very first break here on the show this week. Don't go away. We'll be back after a very short message from our sponsors. Don't go away. Passion, drive, and patience. Alright, welcome back uh, to Scuderia F1 coming to you once again from the Vivid Seats uh, studio and of course uh, if you want to get in on the action go check it out, the, the app is great, it's not just sports, it, it's, it's concerts it's festivals, it's uh, theater all sorts of things, uh, if you download and install the app, uh, make sure you use my promo to, or promo code Overtime and you could uh, save up to $100 on uh, your purchase uh, for first time uh, users Anyways, let's talk now about uh, Ferrari and going back to the Russian Grand Prix. Sebastian Vettel is now admitting that he believes that uh, defying the team orders was not right. And that was the whole uh, issue that uh, they they had uh, with uh, Sebastian starting in P3 behind Charles and uh, getting the the toe down into that very long, uh, down that very long straightaway uh, into turn one and uh, then not uh, giving the the position back. And I mean, it was ultimately remedied uh, later in the race uh, at the pit stops. Uh, They brought uh, Charles in first and then kept uh, Sebastian you out a couple laps uh, longer on rapidly degrading tires. So, I mean, they, they engineered it uh, one way or, or another. But, I mean, uh, I, I said at the time I didn't really have uh, too big of an issue. I mean, uh, uh, Vettel was uh, clearly faster, even though eventually he dropped out of the race. And I thought, you know, like, if um, Charles is going to come and uh, he's going to hand over first place, then, you know, make him do it on the track. Otherwise, uh, you know, do it in the pit stops. Although I'm not a big fan of that really, but hey, you know, whatever it, it accomplishes. What they need to do, and if they had that agreement, I guess that's okay. But uh, you know, I I guess that is uh, fine. I I guess uh, you know, you know, when you have uh, some some time to to sit back and reflect, and you know, you're you're able to to analyze that situation, you might might see it a little bit different. But uh, Vettel uh, did have a a meeting with uh, for a team principal Matteo Bonato last week at uh, in Marinello, and he did sort of, um, I guess. say it wasn't such of a big deal as maybe some people reading into it and uh, Seb said and I quote generally everything is clear of course you talked to each other there was a conversation but there were also other conversations I wouldn't make such a fuss around the whole story I think there were positive things in Russia as well for this time this year we had a very very good pace in the race to hold up against a Mercedes In other races we might have been up front here and there but in general we are a bit slower so there are positive and not so positive things with the agreement there was or was who is who was right and who isn't is perhaps not so important. But of course, I got the message at the radio to change the place and I did not do it. And that certainly was not right. You know, I... I guess you know the hindsight is uh, 2020 and you can go back and uh, look at it uh, you know in, in different ways but certainly uh, I, I do think uh, that it that it is an interesting situation to look at uh, Ferrari and I'm going to kind of lead into this uh, next uh, comment uh, from from Lewis Hamilton with this and he believes that uh, Ferrari are wrong to push uh, Leclerc so early as uh, the the number 1 I mean he's uh qualified Seb now in what 7 8 races straight now or something like that I mean he said uh, he had a couple of races victories I mean Vettel I mean you can make the argument that uh, he benefited from a bit of luck to to win in Singapore but I mean the guy guy was well overdue uh, for a victory in my eyes and uh, you know I really didn't have a uh, an issue with him uh, making uh, or saying over the radio to make uh, if you know Charles wants to take back first make him come up here and uh, and earn a kind of thing and uh, i still think that this year then despite all the issues that uh, sebastian vettel has had that he st- should still be the number 1 i mean it started out that uh, that way early in the season and clearly he's not the number one guy anymore and i thought uh, that uh, just by the benefit that he's been at ferrari for a while he's also four time <clears throat> excuse me four-time world champion should mean something and uh, you know he's going into his final year uh, of the current contract he hasn't ferrari in 2020 and i think uh, next year you know why why not just uh, wipe the slate slate clean you know have no number one going into the season and and make these guys uh, fight for it i mean if uh, vettel is uh you know still is eager to win a, a world championship at uh, at ferrari if he's still committed to that and if he still wants to get a new contract there make him go out there and earn it make him make him fight fight for it. And then the same uh, on the other side of that coin, if uh, Charles wants to be the number one guy at uh, Ferrari, make him go out there and earn it as well. I think that uh, the, there's nothing wrong with those uh, scenarios. And I think that uh, that uh, if you if you do that uh, next year, for example, uh, that, uh, you know, it, it could be an interesting situation. However, I mean, uh, Matteo Bonato has um, clearly made that decision. And, and Lewis Hamilton uh, says, well, you know, it's kind of a typical way that, uh, that Ferrari we kind of do things and sure you know they they can do whatever they want you know I I do find it uh, interesting that you kind of see it on Folding right before our eyes in real time during the middle of a season, but hey, it is what it is, Um, and it should be, I think, uh, interesting over the past uh, couple. Sorry, the past couple races, (laughs) the past couple of races where they are over the next uh, five races as we uh, we finish up the season here, and uh, it it seems to me that uh, since uh, Monaco, sorry, not since Monaco, uh, since uh, since the Italian Grand Prix at Monza, uh, I mean that was a hugely embarrassing the 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 uh, the incident uh, that uh, Vettel had when he. Spun out, and then uh, collected uh, Lance Stroll when he's trying to put his uh, car back on the track, and you know all the penalties and ending up uh, right at the back of the field. And, you know, Charles going on to to win that race and then, you know, basically being um, elevated to rock star level status uh, by the end of that uh, race and in the days uh, immediately following. I mean, it'd been the the first win at uh, at Monza since, what was it, 2010 or something for Ferrari. I mean, it'd been a good number of years. And, um, you know, so I I guess that's really kind of tipped uh, the the balance in in Charles's uh, favor. But, you know, premature or not, it is what it is. And uh, that's why I think it... It will be interesting to watch uh, not just uh, the end uh, for you know for the end of this season, but uh, next season as well. I mean, I don't know if uh, you guys agree with uh, with Hamilton or not. I do agree with uh, him to a certain extent, uh, but you know Charles is uh, you know he's publicly he's saying uh, all the right things. I mean, he's uh, saying that uh, that uh, the Ferrari interests are what he calls priority over the battle that he's having uh, with uh, with Sebastian Vettel. I mean, that's that's a smart thing to say, obviously. I mean there are bigger things uh, to look at. And I mean, Charles at the age of 21 is clearly just uh, coming into his own in Formula One. I mean, the guy's been, let, let's admit it, I mean, he's been hugely impressive in Formula One since he uh, uh, joined the series uh, last year in 2018 with the uh, Sauber Alfa Romeo Racing or whatever they called it at the time. I mean... He, it was not a great car, the C38. And I mean, it was okay. I mean, it's sort of a, a lower middle of the pack uh, kind of team uh, as it was last year. But I mean, he consistently outperformed his uh, then teammate, uh, Marcus Ericsson uh, consistently. I mean, what he did to, 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 you know, in many instances, you know, putting that car in, uh, in places and finishing races that, uh, that he really had no business finishing really, I think is uh, uh, you know, a, a testament uh, to the, uh, you know, the, the talent that this guy can it really has to really get every little bit of uh, performance out of that car and uh, and do things with it uh, that, you know, most mortals would not be able to do. I mean, the uh, the, the way that the difference between himself and, and Marcus Ericsson uh, were, were night and day. And I mean, Sebastian Vettel is kind of finding that to a, a certain degree. I mean, obviously, there's a, a smaller gap uh, between the, the talent level of uh, uh, Sebastian Vettel Vettel and, uh, and and Charles Leclerc than say Charles Leclerc and Marcus Erickson. I mean that's uh, that's obvious. I mean uh, Vettel. I mean he has his uh, criticism and his uh, detractors, of course. But I mean uh, you know he, he didn't just fluke into four world championships. I mean uh, they're, they're, he's he's uh, he's a very very good driver still. You know it. Uh, I, I think that uh, Charles is wise uh, to say what he's saying publicly. I mean um, you know just let you know, just let your racing do the talking when you're on the track. And I mean, if you're better than Sebastian Vella, you don't need to go out and uh, say it. I mean, it's just, everybody's going to see it by what's uh, what's happening on the track. And I think we've witnessed that uh, over, uh, you know, the, the, the past, uh, well, definitely over the past couple of months. I mean, it took uh, a while for Charles to get that uh, that first win. I mean, he had uh, that unfortunate mechanical issue of Bahrain, which certainly robbed him of that uh, that victory. I mean, he he deserved to win that race. And then, uh, well, I mean, he was uh, somewhat uh, rudely pushed out of the way at turn three at the the A1 ring or Red Bull ring, whatever they call it, the Austrian Grand Prix, where Max Verstappen just, uh, you know, shoulder barged his way through uh, Charles at that uh, turn three when you go up uh, the, the the hill there and then basically into about a 90 degree corner to the right. But hey, I mean, Max had the best car in the afternoon and, and nobody was going to stop him on, uh, on, on that day. I mean, uh, it was an aggressive move, but At the end, I think that uh, Max came pretty close up to the line, maybe put one foot on it, but didn't quite cross it uh, with, with that maneuver. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, since then, I mean, Charles has really, uh, really come into his own and uh, has really made uh, a name for himself, obviously, and has uh, really made a case to be the Ferrari number one driver. But I mean, th- we all know how bad the uh, the, the blood was between uh, Nico Rosberg and, and Lewis Hamilton. I mean, could we see something like that happen between, uh, between Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel? I don't know. I mean, the thing is with, uh, with with Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton, I mean, it kind of simmered for a couple of years and it, and it boiled over and blew up a couple of times along the way. I mean... I mean, frosty and icy was probably about as good as it ever got uh, between those two guys. I mean, it was uh, bad enough that uh, you know the uh, the upper management, uh, the the big wigs at Mercedes actually had to come out and say that uh, that if things uh, continued to be as bad as it were, as it was at, uh, at at its peak, that they would uh, terminate the contracts of one or both of those drivers. I mean, it seems kind of uh, incomprehensible uh, now to, to think that uh, you might uh, you know you threaten to to rescind the contract of a guy. Guy like Lewis Hamilton. I mean, I don't know how serious they ever were. I think maybe. I mean, this is just my interpretation of the situation. I thought that that comment was always aimed more towards uh, Nico Rosberg rather, rather than Lewis Hamilton. But hey, whatever. I mean, could we see the same thing between Vettel and Claire? I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I mean, it's gotten a little bit, I think they've gotten under each other's skin a little bit. Um, I mean, Charles was obviously not happy a, in a couple of times recently, but I mean, there would have to be some pretty major things happen uh, between the two of them. I mean, the thing is that uh, that Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg, uh, you know, they crashed out uh Several times over the years. I mean, they had the coming together at uh, at Spa one year on the opening lap, in which uh, Lewis Hamilton ended up with a puncture and then um, ended up way down in the race order by the time it was all said and done, because he had to basically tour all the way around the the, the track on uh, three wheels uh, to to replace the flat tire and uh, just lost so much ground to the rest of the pack uh, really early in the race. So I mean, that ruined his uh, his day. I mean, there was uh, Austria, there was there was Spain. I mean. There, there there was numerous uh, examples of the things uh, that that happened between these uh, two guys and uh, i mean i don't really see sebastian vettel and um, and charles leclerc as teammates beyond 2021 i just have a feeling i mean it just I don't know. I just, I just don't see Vettel coming back at, uh, at Ferrari in 2021, unless maybe he gives them a big discount or or something. But then again, if uh, he goes, uh, who would they uh, bring along to, uh, you know, to replace him at, uh, at Ferrari? And uh, obviously what would be a number two seat, but Hey, that's a different conversation uh, for, for a different, uh, different day. But, I mean, together, I think uh, there's a a lot that they can do. And and Charles recognizes that. And he says, uh, and I quote, I want to beat Seb and Seb wants to beat me, but the interests of the team as a whole have priority it always takes a, a compromise when you find yourself battling with your teammate you think about it and you know how what uh, you do depends on the result of the work of a thousand uh, people and um, yeah you know I, I think that uh, that that's very true and I think that's a you know a, a really wise thing a, a very good observation uh, for Charles uh, to make because obviously I mean uh, you know w- what they get uh, as the benefit um, you know in the car be it a good punk car or a bad car I mean it is the fruits of the labor of a, of a lot of people and of course uh, you know that that the, the bigger picture is uh, you know what the team wants to accomplish uh, as a goal and i mean uh, you, we can go back and just uh, just revisit what we were talking about mercedes earlier in the show i mean uh, they, they still love to go racing i mean uh, they 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 love winning races and championships and so you can tell what uh, what winning means to them and uh, you know when things don't go right for them i mean it, it seems to me that uh, that they really take it personally. And uh, that's why I think it's a a very good uh, observation of uh, Charles to make. Anyways, uh, moving along here now, the next um, story, and this is uh, from motorsport.com. And uh, this is uh, that uh, Ferrari would only rue 2019 if it wasn't learning from errors. This kind of ties in a little bit to what we were talking about uh, a little bit earlier. And uh, that certainly is true. I mean, that... It it seems kind of funny to to say a team with the stature and the history and the the, the resources of Ferrari uh, would be in the situation that they were you know to learn from their mistakes. You would think at this uh, this level and uh, you know where they are being one of the the three top uh, teams in the sport that they wouldn't be there to to begin with. But they've obviously had uh, had some struggles, and I think then uh, rather just to kind of. Um, go through the motions to a certain extent and not really delve into the issues that that, uh, that they've had with the car. They actually have taken the time to really delve into it and find out, you know, well, they, they went for this, uh, you know, the, this uh, model with less downforce. And of course, that meant less grip in corners. It also meant uh, that they were getting less... Uh, <clears throat> Downforce. And of course, uh, that uh, that means that, uh, that they weren't generating enough heat into the tires. And of course, there's less grip there. So they obviously have learned their lessons, they've applied it. And uh, I think that uh, ties in uh, nicely to the comments that Total Wolf was making that uh, that the, the combination of uh, Ferrari, uh, you know, learning more about their car and upgrading it and, and making improvements on it combined with uh, Mercedes focusing more on the development uh, of their 2020 car and maybe not uh, developing developing uh, you know this year's car as much and bringing the the upgrades in uh, in recent months as often and as frequent uh, as they should so that uh, that really i think it is you know it has to be a combination of both i mean to to make up uh, that you know the, as much ground as they have on mercedes seems um, it can't all be down to Ferrari, obviously. They, they've they done quite a bit on their side. But at the same time, uh, Mercedes has uh, lost a, a little bit of pace, just uh, that they haven't kept up uh, with, uh, with anyone else. Anyways, uh, time for another break here on the show. Uh, still plenty more to come, so don't go away. We'll be back after another very short break, so don't go away. All right, welcome back to Scuderia F1, the podcast always up to speed with Formula One racing and going back to the live timing at the the Japanese Grand Prix. Just an hour left in FP2. And yeah, it's number 44, Lewis Hamilton, going purple in all three sectors, setting a time of 127.896. And that's uh, quite a a, a bit ahead of uh, Sebastian Vettel. He's uh, still hanging on in second position, Seb, with a time of one twenty eight point three nine two, and uh, Max Verstappen and Alex Albon, the two uh, Red Bull drivers uh, in third and fourth, and uh, Danny Kvyat, sorry, Valtteri Bottas currently fifth, he set a time of 129.469, so Currently uh, quite a bit off of the pace, but uh, Max uh, not too far off uh, Sebastian Vettel, and uh, Alex Elbon uh, is, is right in there as well, and um, uh, Max setting a time of 128.457, and Alex Elbon setting a time of one twenty eight six six. Charles Leclerc currently in seventh in the uh, in the classification in the timing right now FP two Charles sitting a time of one twenty nine point six eight six so obviously I mean he's almost two seconds off of uh, Lewis Hamilton so you know there's he's got some work to do and I think come uh, Sunday afternoon that that gap between Lewis Hamilton and uh, Charles Leclerc is going to be uh, a lot uh, a lot closer but uh, you look too I mean Charles is only uh, running six laps compared to, to 10 so far for for Lewis Hamilton in, in Fp2 so still plenty more to go and of course I mean they're only just about half an hour into the session we still got about an hour to go so we'll uh, wait and see maybe we'll check in one more time uh, before uh, we uh, we wrap the show uh, this evening anyways uh, talking about the the other the team that's in the big three, and that is uh, Red Bull. Their uh, fuel supplier, ExxonMobil, is introducing new chemicals it hasn't used before in Formula One as part of a more powerful uh, fuel that uh, they brought to the, the the Japanese Grand Prix. And I think they need something because uh, Red Bull really uh, had, um, well, I mean, where Ferrari had struggled in the early part of the season, the first half of the season, uh, Red Bull had stepped up and, uh, and had really uh, taken over as the number two team for a while there. And, and uh, certainly since the summer break, it's turned around. So it'll be interesting to see if the uh, the, the new uh, super fuel that uh, they've brought uh, to the uh, the Japanese Grand Prix is uh, going to make a, a difference uh, or not. And now uh, just uh, with uh, another, uh, well, there's a bit of a Red Bull tie-in here, and that's uh, Renault's uh, driver, Danny Ricardo, of course, uh, Honey Badger, many years as a Red Bull driver, has uh, settled the legal dispute with his former uh, advisor, Glenn Beavis, uh, which will keep uh, a £10 million claim from having to go to court uh, there were no details uh, released but uh, Beavis took action against uh, Danny Ricca earlier this year uh, basically he was claiming that was money that he was owed uh, as a commission as part of the you know the deal that saw move from Red Bull to Renault uh, last uh, last year but uh, uh, Ricardo felt that that uh, Beavis's claims were unjustified and uh, he, he said he was basically gonna fight the whole thing but uh, apparently they uh, they met recently out of court and and uh, um, and, uh, Ricardo said that the, the whole deal is, uh, it's done, it's sorted, it's taken care of, uh, but, you know, he can't go into, uh, to any, uh, any details. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I'm not really surprised to, uh, to see that, you always know, expect expected time to times, uh, things like that happen, especially when you split with, uh, with somebody else, you know, and, 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 and I'm sure that, uh, if you're a guy like uh, Glenn Beavis, uh, you've got a very good head on your shoulders and, you know, uh, you've got a very good, uh, you know, brain for business and know, uh, your way around contracts and things like that. So, obviously, if they came to an agreement out of court, there was uh, something that needed to be settled. So, obviously, it has been, and uh, Ricardo can just uh, get back to focus on uh, on racing. And and boy, you know what a risk that uh, that he took to move to uh, uh, to Renault for this year. I mean, if you look at uh, the standings in the um, you know the, the world championship, of course, you have Max Verstappen fourth and world champion with uh, over two hundred points you look at Danny Rick 10th in the world championship with only 34 points and you know I mean you look at what uh, what Alex Albon has done uh, since uh, switching over and replacing uh, Pierre Gasly at uh, at Red Bull I mean uh, he uh, I mean Pierre Gasly is still 6th in the world championship with uh, with 69 points but Alex Albon you know he's currently uh, you know sitting 8th uh, in the championship with 52 points and I mean that's that's basically all the points I'm not I I don't have the exact number of uh, points that he may have scored uh, with, uh, with Toro Rosso before the switch uh, beforehand, but I mean, uh, he's... I mean, you got to think that he's going to pass surpass uh, Gasly's total uh, by the time the season is over. So, I mean, he's uh, acquitted himself uh, very well. But I mean, the point I was trying to make is when you look at Max with two hundred and twelve points, uh, I, I would think that uh, you know uh, Danny Rick would be up there uh, somewhere as well. And I think that was a uh, part of the reason that uh, that uh, they switched Gasly in favor of uh, Alex Albon is that uh, if uh, Gasly had been able to uh, perform better and uh, and, and get uh, better uh, results uh, throughout uh, you know the first half of the season before the summer break is that uh, Red Bull would be sitting higher in the Constructors' uh, Championship uh, than they were. So, I mean, Gasly seems to be in a bit of a sweet spot. Uh, You know, he seems to be in his comfort zone at uh, Toro Rosso. I mean, that's uh, a bit of a uh, development team. So, I mean, where does he go from here? That's a great question. Who knows? You know, It seems like I let's just say I, I don't see him going back to Red Bull for next year. I know they said they're keeping their options open and, uh, you know, the, they're basically looking at uh, Alex Albon's uh, time there for the remainder of this year's, uh, uh, you know, a long audition for next year. So I, I don't know, I think uh, Gasly had his uh, shot and it was kind of a swing and a miss. And um, well, we'll see in the, in the long term, you know, Toro Rosso being a development team that it is. And if, uh, you know, assuming gasly's not going to go back to red bull uh, next year how long are they going to keep him in there knowing that uh, it basically paves a way to uh, you know the big main red bull team that uh, Gasly, although, uh, you know, a decent driver, may be taking up uh, the, the seat of uh, another younger, hotter prospect uh, that uh, maybe could go on to uh, to partner uh, Max Verstappen. Anyways, that is what it is, you know, just uh, just a, a thought. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, let's uh, move on. And this is kind of all uh, Mercedes-related. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of Mercedes so far in the show this uh, week, but uh, this is a bit of a related one. And uh, Mercedes admit that uh, getting uh, mercedes uh, Sorry, well, Mercedes uh, said that uh, McLaren, I was almost going to read this uh, back to front, uh, (laughs) why would McLaren say getting Mercedes is a risk? But Mercedes has admitted that that McLaren supply deal is uh, a risk. And uh, this is total wolf just uh, acknowledging the fact that uh, the McLaren is uh, going to be uh, getting, uh, 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 I was going to say Renault. They're getting Renault engines right now, but they will be getting uh, Mercedes customer engines in 2021, rekindling that uh, partnership that was successful for so many years. And uh, Total Wolf is just saying that uh, it has uh, the potential to become a, a rival to to their own team, and that's true. I mean, you look in the uh, you know what uh, McLaren is doing right now. I mean, they are the best of the rest uh, this season. I mean, they're not uh, dead last like they were there for a couple of seasons. I mean, since they they switched to Renault, the the, the progression has been uh, you know steady and upwards, and uh, they're looking very very good this year. I mean, they are a very good midfield team. But I mean, the, the big question is is whether or not can they can go from being a good midfield team into being, uh, you know, uh, a, a top. Contender in Formula One like they were for years. I mean, I, I struggle to reconcile and, and, and accept uh, McLaren for where they are because I mean, I grew up in the era of Alan Prost and Ayrton Senna, and then uh, beyond that, Kimi Räikkönen, and uh, then uh, oh, sorry, sorry, I'm I'm missing that uh, Mika Hakkinen winning a couple World Championships in there. I mean, they were the top team uh, from for many years at different times in, in, in Formula One. To see them sink to the level and to the depths that they have uh, over the past, past uh, decade uh, slowly and then, you know, watching them there at you know, it, the the early days of the, uh, the the Honda partnership a couple of years ago I mean boy was it ever painful to watch so it is nice to see but I mean ultimately whether or not they become a rival to Mercedes uh, well that that remains to be seen I mean they certainly are going in the right direction and I think you have to give a lot of props to uh, to Zach Brown the CEO there I mean he had a tough tough job and that job still is not over i mean they are trending in the right direction but ultimately will they be able to cross that threshold from best of the rest and a very good midfield team to becoming a legit contender to the likes of mercedes ferrari and red bull that's yeah, that that is the big question. I mean, obviously, if they could become a contender for Red Bull in the in the in the shorter term, uh, unless uh, Red Bull are able to uh, you know take that next step uh, next year with uh, with Honda, and uh, you know there's there's been a lot of uh, talk uh, this week that the the Honda engine will have the same power output next year uh, that's at least comparable to um, you know Mercedes, <clears throat> and also uh, Ferrari. Excuse me. It's been a long day, and I forgot to bring a glass of water into the studio here. Uh, Here, anyways, um, so I I can see why Total Wolf is, uh, you know, know, thinking that way because. It's uh, it may seem a bit of a stretch now, and it might be uh, you know a little bit uh, humorous to hear him say that. But I mean, you look at the, the the difference between McLaren and Renault. Obviously, Renault works team with their own engine. It uh, compared to, to uh, McLaren, who has a customer Renault. I mean, they've been a better team than the Renault works team uh, all year long. So, could they uh, do the same thing with the Mercedes engine in the back of the car? I think that's a little bit of a long shot. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. But, I mean, they do have very, very good people there. And I think that is uh, something that uh, that uh, that Zach Brown really deserves a lot of credit for is that he hasn't come into the situation, tried to fix it all himself. I mean, I think he's come in, he's analyzed it, uh, and he's brought in some very, very good people to, um, you know, take care of business and run the team. And it uh, looks like uh, Andreas Seidel, the team principal that was uh, brought over from the Porsche LMP1 project, was a very good uh, signing. You have Jill DeFerrin, the former racing driver, as a sporting director, whatever his job is. You got James Key, who's the technical director that was brought over from uh, Toro Rosso. I mean, mean, I mean there's a lot of very very good people in the team now but you know to to go that uh, that extra step or two I mean it's it's more than a step it'd be a quantum leap to go from where they are now to uh, become a rival of Mercedes I mean I I think that uh, I I could see where Toto's making that uh, you know that that leap that connection but to me that seems to be like a a little bit uh, like a a bridge uh, too far Anyways, I mean, sticking with that now, uh, McLaren just uh, talking about it, they, they say that uh, the deal to get a Mercedes engine is going to leave them, uh, quote, uh, nowhere to hide. And that uh, comes from uh, Andreas Seidel, the team principal. And, uh, you know, it's true. I mean, when you have the, the, the best engine in, in Formula One and, and Zach Brown, uh, the CEO, uh, he's uh, talking about it uh, and just saying that, uh, sorry, and it wasn't uh, Zach Brown, it was uh, Andreas Seidel was saying that, uh, that the Mercedes engine is the benchmark in the, the turbo hybrid uh, era. And that, that is true. I mean, I mean, more recently, Ferrari reportedly have the, uh, the, the most powerful power units. And uh, that, that certainly we've, we've seen uh, this year. Uh, you know especially in the past several uh, races i mean just the the straight line advantage that they have with the low downforce model and the the the, the engine that they have really is a winning combination and that's a, a big part of why charles leclerc was able to to win you know those couple of races uh, that that he did i mean it really did help out and uh, give him that uh, little bit of extra advantage when he needed it uh, the most but I mean, um, you, you can see why uh, they they would make that uh, comparison. I mean, Mercedes has just been better for longer and more consistent, so they obviously are, are very very excited uh, to get those in the back of their car for 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 twenty twenty one. But also, they were saying that uh, that they didn't consider Ferrari engines or building their own engine. I mean, there was talk that uh, McLaren uh, might uh, build their own engine at uh, at one point, but I mean, that would be. That to me always seemed to, to be a bit of a stretch. I mean, we, we saw how Honda struggled when they came back into Formula One and just how difficult it was for them uh, to get up to, to speed because, I mean, everybody else like Renault, Ferrari, Mercedes, they'd all been, uh, you know, really investing the time and even before, you know, the uh, the, the launch or the introduction of the engines back in, in 2014 and, and when uh, Honda came back in, they were at a disadvantage because they were already several years behind in the game and we're we're, were basically having to, you know, develop the engine and, 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 improve upon it on the fly in real time. And, uh, we saw that, um, obviously with disastrous uh, results at, uh, at time, but he, he, well, Zach Brown felt that, uh, that Ferrari engines would be uh, a bit of a, a, what he called a, a brand clash with, uh, the, the roadside of the McLaren brand. You know, I guess it is what it is. I mean, it's, it's a little bit separate, but certainly I can understand, uh, you know, wh- why he would, uh, you know, think that way and why he'd want to uh, avoid that. But you know, it, it is uh, I, I think interesting that uh, that, that, that this. Ferrari, sorry, Mercedes McLaren uh, partnership has been uh, rekindled, and uh, I, I really, I, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, you know what they can do with it. And uh, they, they really do not have uh, anywhere to hide. Uh, you know, just like I was talking about a couple of uh, minutes ago, that uh, quote from uh, Andreas Seidel, because that was a thing. I mean, uh, when they're having all the issues uh, with Honda, uh, I mean, that was always a thing. it's like, no, no, it's not the car. Our car is one of the best. Uh, you know, we have one of the best chassis in the, the entire uh, you know the series and, the, and all of Formula One. It's all down the Honda engine and, you know, that slowly that tune changed over time. Is, yeah, you know what? The engine wasn't great, but, you know, the, the the chassis isn't quite as good as we thought. And, you know, even uh, last year they were saying that a little bit as well. But I mean, this year uh, they've um, improved a lot and it uh, definitely is uh, trending in the right uh, direction, but still a very, very long way to go before they can uh, get up and uh, you know, to the top there again and, and challenge the likes of uh, Mercedes, Ferrari, and, uh, and Red Bull. I mean, if they, they can uh, maybe try and get a podium here or there, I think that would be the next uh, big thing, that uh, the big step that they could uh, take in their revival. And who knows? Maybe they've got what it takes uh, to do that. Anyways, time for one last time out here on uh, Scuderia F1. So don't go away. We'll be back after this short break from our sponsors. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Just a couple more pieces of news, and uh, then I just want to just talk uh, very briefly about uh, the uh, uh, Japanese Grand Prix. And uh, there's been a, a lot of news, uh, you know, stories coming out this week about the uh, the, the rule changes for, for 2021. You know, there's uh, one here on Motorsport.com. It's uh, entitled uh, "F1 Teams uh, Quotes." Pushed and pulled all over by 2021 rule talks. Uh, You know, there's talks about uh, delays in introducing the rules or publishing them and finalizing uh, will mean that the car designs are being uh, uh, called uh, rough, whatever that that means. That maybe that uh, not everybody will be able to design uh, the the car that uh, you know the the best car under the new regulations because it's going to take uh, you know a while to get them put through. And I mean, it really has been a saga. I mean, this has been going on for so long. I don't even remember now when uh, when Ross Braun first uh, premiered or previewed that uh, their concept for the uh, you know 2021 car I mean it's got to be well over a year ago now I mean could it even have been like a uh, summer of 2018 or before I mean it's been quite a while I mean everybody was really excited I mean the car the, the concept car looked great and we're all like oh a Formula One cars are going to look like that 2021 and beyond is going to be awesome and I mean it, it's gone into almost well, at least from the outside, like a, sort of a. Well, it appeared to be cryogenically frozen, or just completely had dropped off in the map, so it, it, it's it, it's been frustrating from that point of view. And I mean, th- this just comes from the uh, you know somebody that uh, th- that that's a fan. I mean, I'm not even you know, on the on the inside, of course. But I mean, it must be a really frustrating because I mean, of course, they're working and designing and building their cars for next year, even though uh, 2019 is not over. But I mean, they do design cars and concepts, you know, uh, you know quite, quite a ways down the road. So I can imagine, that uh, that not having any clarity or any finality on the 2021 rules is uh, is very very uh, frustrating but i mean it just really is all over the place and, and this is kind of a little bit how i expected it to be i mean at least uh, nobody really up and up threatened to to leave formula 1 i mean ferrari would be the uh, you know the, the 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 team you would suspect most to uh, in in that uh, situation that oh yeah well you know we don't like uh, the way that the sport is going you know, we're going to pull out and, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to be in Formula One in 2021. I mean, that was kind of like a, a sort of a standard Ferrari move to kind of you know, use their historical status within the sport to kind of throw their weight around because, you know, by saying that uh, that they were planning to leave because they didn't like uh, like proposed rule changes or whatever that uh, just gave them a little bit more clout uh, at the bargaining table because nobody want, really wants to see them leave and, you know, concessions are made. But it really has uh, dragged on a lot. And I mean, uh, you know, there, there was, I think, Total Wolf said once, I mean, it was very noncommittal. It was more like, well, you know, we'll stay in formula 1 as long as uh you know the, the the series suits what we like to do and race uh, you know uh, and race in the way that we like to race and that was about it you know i mean, i'm kind of really parsing and paraphrasing there but uh you know it, it really i thought that uh, this would be sorted out a while ago but that I think is more based on my uh, my own personal preference and wishes to have these uh, these rules clarified and in place uh, more than, than than anything else so it uh, it really is uh, sort of getting a little bit uh, more uh, messy but uh, Red Bull's uh, chief uh, engineer Paul Monahan said uh, it was a big challenge and he said quote we want to challenge these guys of course, talking about uh, Mercedes and Ferrari. Uh, so we are obliged to look at the 2021 regulations now, and as it has been discussed, the negotiation is ongoing as to how they will fall out. Uh, so our resources are being pushed and pulled in many directions, and the change proposed for 2021 is enormous it is not an evolution as we have from 2016 into 17, you may argue, and it's going to be mighty challenging. So it's, uh, it's really going to be fascinating to see what's, uh, what's going to, uh, to happen uh, to 2021 and, uh, stay tuned. That's all I can uh, really say. And, uh, <laughs> You know, like i 've saying just now. I mean, just because of that, the, you know, the, the the next article I was reading, uh, and this was also uh, from Motorsport. dot com, is just uh, because of the lack of clarity and decision on the rules, is that uh, a lot of the designs, you know, will just uh, you know these cars will get uh, designed. And uh, and built later than they usually do, so it uh, it might be difficult for a lot of people to uh you know you know really do what they want to do. But the the one thing that is kind of interesting is that uh, you know the concept car that uh, that they have out uh, you know has uh, has one of these Aero screens, which is basically the uh, the halo with like a perspex um, cover around it, so it kind of looks more like a canopy you might see on a fighter jet more than a, a Formula One car. I mean they did try those a couple of years ago, but uh, you know they they've introduced that uh, in IndyCar and they've got like anti-glare screening on it they got heaters on it apparently as well to keep it from uh, fogging up so I mean now that uh, you know this cockpit safety has been around for a couple of years I mean we're starting to see some uh, some different things coming out Uh, you know whether or not Formula One is going to stick with the Halo or if they're going to move to an aeroscreen that remains to be seen I mean the Halo was always more of an interim kind of thing just they they needed to get that safety device onto the car to protect the drivers and of course, driver safety always has to be, uh, you know, the, one of the number one uh, things uh, out there. So, But does this aero screen look better now? I don't know. I think it's more of a personal thing than uh, than anything else. And, uh, well, I mean, it, it it looks okay, but it's funny, it's, uh, as much as I really detested the Halo when it came in a couple of years ago, I've sort of come to accept it now, and now when I see something else different than to the Halo, saying like, yeah, I don't know if I like it as much as the Halo now, so... I don't know, maybe I'm just easily uh, persuaded when it comes to things like that. So maybe you shouldn't take my word for it at uh, at all. But anyways, uh, just uh, sticking with these uh, 2021, uh, Lewis Hamilton says he's seen uh, the, the data from the research for these cars. And uh, he thinks that uh, it's really suggesting that it's going to make it uh, uh, car, easier for cars to follow each other in 21. And uh, he says that it looks quote unquote uh, great. So, you know, take it uh, for, for what it's worth. So um, I, I don't know what that, that means. But if uh, Lewis is impressed uh, by the data, then uh, that I think that's uh, a good indication that uh, maybe the, they're going in the right direction with these regulations. So I guess ultimately we'll have to wait and see how it pans out. And what the final version is, but, you know, just sort of sticking with a, 2021 and beyond so the uh, stakeholders of for, uh, formula one have been debating what direction they should go in with uh, with engines and power units after 2024 and renault are actually pushing for electrification and mercedes are keen to stick with the uh, the current formula and you can see the case for both because renault haven't really been able to nail it when it comes to the uh you know the the v6 uh, turbo hybrid engines whereas uh, mercedes have been the gold standard ever since uh, 2014. I mean they are they're, they're pretty cool. And I mean, I can see the argument obviously to go to um to to an all electric um uh, engine uh, for uh, at some point in the future, but the thing is it's got to be the same performance-wise. I mean, I don't want to see these cars go backwards and become more like uh, Formula E cars. If if they can find a way to make uh, the electric engines uh, with the same power output as the as the engines they have now, or the normally aspirated engines, then that would uh, that would be great, and uh, be able to go a full race uh, distance. And I mean, obviously that's always been a bit of a thing for Formula E, but Formula E is its own cert- different uh, series, and they've got their own way of uh, doing things, but um F1 uh, sorry uh, Renault F1 boss Surya uh, Abiteboul says that uh, the sport is really being left in danger of uh, being left behind in the world unless they start uh, planning for a, a formula that's that's more relevant to, to future road cars and is, uh, you know, cost-effective uh, for, for manufacturers. And th- that that is one knock against, uh, you know, the, the current V6 engines is that, I mean, even though they are technological uh, wonders, they are hugely expensive to design and maintain and build. So, I, I mean, it is, a, you know, <laughs> it is a huge investment. I mean, whether or not, uh, you know, they they could uh, reduce that cost with uh, with electric engines that remains to be seen but uh, certainly this is a, a discussion or, um that that I well, I'll, I'll be honest i mean this has come around a lot sooner than uh, that i ever expected so Again, I think that's one of those uh, situations we have to <laughs> stay tuned and see what happens. Anyways, uh, just uh, looking here at the, uh, the the live timing at uh, FP two at uh, the Japanese Grand Prix, just over half an hour left uh, to go. Valtteri Bottas is now the the fastest in the session, and uh, Valtteri has uh, set a time of one twenty seven point seven eight five. That's uh, exactly a hundredth of a second. Sorry, a tenth of a second quicker than Lewis uh, Hamilton. Uh, Lewis's uh, time is uh, one twenty seven eight eight five. Uh, Max for Stapen now has slid into third place with a one twenty eight point oh six six, and Sebastian Vettel uh, fourth with a one twenty eight point three nine two. Uh, Charles Leclerc is uh, he, he's improved a little bit. Uh, he's currently in sixth behind uh, Alex Albon in the in the Red Bull, and uh, Charles' time is a one twenty eight point four two four. So he's about uh, six and a half tenths off uh, the fastest time in FP two at the very moment. All right. Well, let's just uh, talk a little bit about the 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 race itself. Obviously, the big question uh, this week is whether or not uh, you know the the typhoon is going to uh, you know impact uh, the the country of Japan as a whole and uh, and affect uh, a lot of things going on. Of course, the uh, Rugby World Cup is still going on, as well as the Japanese Grand Prix. So we hope for for everybody there that uh, that the bad weather uh does not uh, hit land, and it, it blows itself out uh, before then, but uh, it's looking like uh, there, there might be something uh, impacted. Anyways, just uh, in general, Japanese Grand Prix at Suzuka. It is a 53-lap race with a 5.8-kilometer-long uh, lap more or less, race distance is just over three and a hundred and seven kilometers long, and uh, Kimi Räikkönen has uh, the lap record, which is a one thirty one point five four zero, which he set back at the Japanese Grand Prix way back in uh, two thousand and five. So going back uh, to last year, uh, it was uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, Valtteri Bottas uh, locking out the front row for Mercedes. Max Verstappen and Kimi Räikkönen uh, were on row two, and Well... This is not anything you expect to say anytime soon, but uh, row three was uh, Roman Grosjean and uh, Brendan uh, Hartley. And uh, they were made up uh, the, the, the third row of the grid. Uh, the race itself, Lewis Hamilton and uh, Valtteri Bajas coming home uh, first and second. Max Verstappen and Danny Rick coming home third and fourth for the the Red Bull. And uh, Kimi Räikkönen and Sebastian Vettel coming home fifth and sixth. And of course, last year, Sebastian Vettel and uh, Max Verstappen having uh, some, some contacts let's put it out there they had some contact out there on the race but just in general going back over uh, the the past uh, several uh, seasons the Japanese Grand Prix has been an all Mercedes thing Uh, Michael Schumacher he holds the record with with the six uh, Grand Prix victories at uh, in the Japanese Grand Prix most recently way back in 2004 Lewis Hamilton has won there five times including four times since uh, 2014. Uh, Sebastian Vettel himself has won there uh, four times. Last time he won there was uh, back in 2013, that is. Uh, McLaren have won the most uh, races there in total. They've won there uh, nine Grand Prix in Japan. Uh, Ferrari has uh, won seven. But it's, I mean, the the real story is here that over the the, the past five seasons since 2014, Lewis Hamilton has won the race four times. Uh, The only time he hasn't won it was 2016 when it was won by uh, Nico Rosberg. And then uh, before that, uh, Sebastian Vettel was uh, the guy that uh, was the master of Suzuka. I mean, Seb won it four times between 2009 and 2013 so obviously uh, he would be keen uh, to win there again uh, this weekend but you know i mean suzuka it, it is a classic track i've always loved it i mean like, like i've said many times on this show that uh, i grew up in the era of uh of senna alan Prost, nigel mansell and guys like that and uh, the the one thing that really stands out in my mind is that uh that that incident between what was it uh in 1988 i believe it was when uh uh, uh, Senna and uh, Alan Prost famously collided and took each other out of the race at the Japanese Grand Prix. I mean, that was one of those uh, relationships uh, very much like uh, Lewis Hamilton and, uh, and Nico Rosberg, where the the, the two teammates uh, Senna and Prost just uh, did not get along. But uh, I think as as bad as uh, Rosberg and Hamilton was, I think uh, Senna and Prost uh, was uh, was it was even even more so. Although I mean, uh, they did uh, reconcile, I think to a certain extent. I mean, uh, Prost, I believe, was One of the pallbearers at uh, Senna's funeral after his untimely death at uh, Imola back in uh, 1994. Anyway, said uh, that that is a bit of a, a sad note uh, to end the show. Uh, so, <laughs> trying maybe find a little bit uh, happier uh, way to, to end that one. But uh, you know, it it is uh, it is a great track. I really enjoy the Japanese Grand Prix. And um, you know, one of these days, I know I say this all the time. One of these days, I want to be able to go and attend more Grand Prix. It's always a little bit uh, difficult uh, here. Uh, you know where, where I am in the world and just uh, you know with the family and everything like that makes it difficult to to, to get away for races, but Japan would have to be uh, I think one of my top uh, destinations uh, to, to go to, to go and watch a uh, Grand Prix. I think it would be really, really cool to, to go and watch the uh, the, the Japanese uh, um, Grand Prix at uh, Suzuka. So I would really, really like to do that uh, one of these days. So anyways, uh, before I go here, you know, I've had some uh, nice uh, messages uh, from, from people uh, this week. You know, um, maybe we should start doing some uh, sh- uh, shout outs uh, on the show here uh, one of these uh, days. You know, uh, I do like uh, to hear from, from all of you. I'd like to hear your you weigh in and, you know, uh, on whatever the topic is or bring any, uh, feedback to the show. So, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're listening somewhere, you know, let me know where you are in the world. Send me an email at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com or tweet me on Twitter. Let me know where you are, who your favorite uh, driver is, favorite team is, and I'll read some of these out on the show at, uh, at some point in the future. Or, you know, if you want to help the show grow, leave a nice uh, review if uh, if you enjoy the show on uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download the show or share it with a friend. And another uh, nice uh, review on Apple Podcasts this week from Newtown1978. And uh, he writes, uh, Mark and Kevin bring a wealth of collective F1 knowledge to this podcast and consistently take their analysis to the next level. Definitely a cut above and the best F1 podcast out there. And that was wonderful, very kind uh, message. And I uh, really uh, appreciate that a lot. Lot. Anyways, time for me to get out of here. It's starting to get very, very late here on the West Coast of Canada. I still have to work tomorrow. But hey, it is Thanksgiving in Canada here this weekend. So that means, well, um, well, unfortunately, some of you will have to go and work on Monday, we will be enjoying our turkey and a nice uh, long, uh, long weekend. So certainly enjoy looking forward to that always a, a nice weekend to spend uh, time with family up here on Thanksgiving. So really looking forward to the next couple of days. I've only got a half day of work tomorrow. Tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to that as well. So not uh, not really a, 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 a huge amount of time off, but it is a kind of a, a mini three and a half day uh, a holiday for me. So certainly looking forward to it. And of course, looking forward to the Japanese Grand Prix. So I hope you all enjoy that. And we will be back after the weekend to, to wrap it up and cover all the latest F1 news. So hope you'll join uh, us then. And until next time, thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Ciao for now.
0: Thanks for listening to the Skidaria F1 Podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to SkidariaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at SkidariaF1Pod at gmail.com.